Hello, good day, and welcome to the Carrier's Edge podcast. Episode, what are we, episode? Odd-numbered episode, 61? hang on. 53, can't believe I didn't look at that before we started this. Episode 53 of the Carrier's Edge podcast. I am the ill-prepared Mark Morrell, and with me is the much better prepared... Jane Jazrawi. Both of us co-founders of Carrier's Edge. That Which is true. It's probably not a great bit of news for people by now. It's not a revelation. Yes. So it's going to be one of those kind of podcasts, I think. Here we are. Yeah, set the tone. Yes. Late November in the year of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Year and, of the plague. Yes. And what's significant, I suppose, for us right now is that Today, as we record this, is the final day for Best Fleet surveys, right. driver surveys to come in. Normally a process that closes on New Year's Eve, but we're finishing it up today, which means that on Monday we will start the scoring. So when this podcast hits the hits the uh, public, I suppose, hits the streets, and gets released to the general public, we will be deep in the scoring process of uh, trying to figure out how all of that information fits together and who the winners are this year. Which is going to take a few days. Yes, that that to me is the real grind. I uh, complain about the interviews and how long they are and how much it is uh, in past years, but it's the scoring that is the grind for me. Be be clear. You just complain about everything. This is true. Yeah. Okay. There's there's no point where you're not complaining about something. No, I don't complain about the driver surveys. I don't have to do anything. Yeah, there. you don't have to do anything. All I have to do there is every couple of days log into our system where we track all of that and see anybody who's hit their target. I just move them from one stage to another to mark the fact that they've hit their target. Mm-hmm. And that's really it. So that's kind of fun. Yes, that is fun because I did it a few times. Although that should be automatic when we... Yes, it should. It should have been automatic in the at the first point. I'm not really clear what's stopping that. It was supposed to happen every time the survey got submitted. It was supposed to check if they hit their target and if so, flip the status. But for some reason, it never does. So we do it manually. But we do get to have a little bit of fun uh, moving people into that stage. Mm-hmm. And then Monday, Monday morning... Likely it will happen over the weekend, actually. I will move all of the people that have finished all of their requirements into the finalist stage, and we will be ready to start scoring them. Mm -hmm. So it's looking like, what are you thinking? Are you going to be about 70 or 75 finalists this year? Yep. Yeah, I think we were at at 67 when I uh, looked a few minutes ago. So there'll be a handful more that finish up their stuff, and there's some that have finished all their surveys, but still haven't submitted some of the outstanding data that they need to provide us. That's always weird when you get a few people that have done everything except they're missing like one bit of crucial information that they never get to us. Yeah, it is what it is. (laughs) (laughs) The the system works. The process. Yes, it is a process. The process weeds out the uh, the people that aren't ready uh, to demonstrate it, can't tell their story, can't get their stuff together. Yeah. And speaking of processes, I think that's what we've been kind of working on for the last little while. Oh, almost nothing but it seems. Yeah. It's just, you know, I didn't realize that, you know, as you, as you grow a company, basically all you do is create 
documents. Process and documents and processes and making sure everybody's on the same page. I had no idea, which is good, though, because I that's kind of what I've been doing for most of my career is figuring out what processes the other other companies have. It just never occurred to me that that's something that we would have to do. And that as the more people we get, the more the gaps show up and you're like, oh, my God, we need a process. <laughs> I'm the process lady. So after years of learning how things work elsewhere and documenting that and clarifying it for other people and putting it in an order that makes sense for everybody, mm-hmm. you finally have to look inward and do it. Yeah, yeah the training, the trainer, uh, the trainer is the student. Something like that. Like, I know what a clear process is and when they're grainy and and vague and when they aren't working and when they're working. But creating your own and and you kind of have to enforce it as well. So you can't have a process that no one follows. So you have to make it so that people it's it's something that they they would likely do anyway. It has to be a natural progression and so there's a little bit of design to processes. Is you kind of have to think about, okay, well, what do people normally do? What do they want to do? And then how are you going to get from step A to step B or step one to step two and and make sure you haven't left anything hang- hanging? And I think um, our, our course development process has a lot, of, is, is a pretty solid process, but we found a gap in there um, just recently, which we kind of had, we're kind of, and, and it's not that we're going to have a big change, but we are going to change the process just to make sure that we cover we cover our butts all the time. But with new people, so I'm hiring a new graphics person, and I have never hired anybody for graphics before, so I'm not sure what I'm going, how it's going to work. So I'm just kind of going by... I'm going to have to do some reading, I think, before I start interviewing all these graphics people. I've interviewed tons of content people, but not graphics. Mm. So am I, ta- am I jumping the gun? Am I talking about all kinds of stuff that you wanted to? Well, you just glossed over like three complete subject areas there. Oh. So I'm going to just pick one and go back. Yeah, to yeah. <laughs> uh, well, let's start with the last one, which was the graphics position, because I think that is one of those areas that is a big black hole to a lot of people. There's a fog that people don't understand. I mean, clearly people don't understand the difference between good and bad visuals. Uh, From what I've seen of other people's work and some of the things that they put out there, it's a bit of a mystery what looks good. People know it when they see it and uh, it's kind of weird. They don't know necessarily when there's bad design things. They don't know necessarily what the problems are, but they know when it's all right. Yes. So it's kind of weird. That they And they may not even be able to consciously say this one is right, but they will respond to it in a way that makes it clear that they see that that is the right and the correct thing. The challenge is how do you articulate that to people and what do you look for to find it? So when you're evaluating these people and you haven't done interviews yet, you've looked at their resumes and you looked at their portfolio what are the things that you look for uh, to determine whether somebody is worth interviewing? It's worthy. Um, there's a couple of things. The first thing that I always look for is how structured they are. Like, how do they follow their... And a lot of these people have their own websites. That's their portfolio is, is a website. It's a web page. And um, there's a, a particular website or a, a platform called Behance or Behance. Um, 
I've only seen it written down, actually, I haven't heard it pronounced, where graphic designers and artists post all of their material and say, here you go, if you want to see what my work is like, this is what it is. So if you go and you look at it and it's clunky, or you see that everything, not that it's, you know, they can be slow. I'm, I'm okay if the site is slow, but if it's grainy, if they haven't, um, if they haven't organized their images in a certain way, if it's hard to navigate, um, if their layout is sloppy or if there's things which are kind of confusing. So when you say sloppy, what, do you, what, what makes something a sloppy are things, are things lined up properly? Are they the same Alignment. size? Do they, like if you scroll down, do you, can you see all the text? Like I, there was one that I was looking at where her text disappears because her text is, um, I'm not sure why, but her text, as you scroll down the website, the text kind of scrolls, but then it, gets put on a background that is the same color. Mm. So if she had gone through and and tested her her website, she would have seen that and then so chosen a different that they color. Haven't checked their work. Yeah. That's so evidence that they're testing, that they're looking, that they're, you know, because one of the things about a graphics person, whether it's a designer or a or a or an artist or because there's those are different things is are you looking? Are you looking at what you've done? Or have you just created your whatever thing that your object you're going to create and just slap it together? That so, you know, is the website, like, do things overlap? Is it just, you know, are there bouncing things? So if you navigate from one place to another, do things bounce around? Are they in the same place when they're supposed to be? in? Yeah. The same and that even has nothing to do with the images themselves. It's all design. That's just layout. all the, you know, how did you decide to lay this out? Because part of what I'm looking for is someone who knows how to do layout because layout is a lot of what I'm doing in the courses. You may not know, but all of those course pages have a particular, like follow particular rules. You can have the image on the top or the bottom or the left and the right, but you're always seeing, um, we use the sides of the page in a very particular way. So if there's a picture on the left or a movie on the left, it's all the way to the left. And if the, if it's on the right, it's all the way to the right. The, you know, even putting, and some kind of image or a movie or whatever sort of haphazardly throughout the pages. Mm -hmm. So you don't have a, a general sense of the structure is can be jarring for people. And I don't want to jar anybody. You don't want to have the images around content be jarring, be distracting from what the content is. And that's the goal with our template is that we are not distracting you from the content. We're complimenting the content. So that's what I'm looking for is somebody who knows how to do that. So it's not just they make pretty pictures in Photoshop. It's they know how to integrate those images into a larger design. Exactly. And that they've got consistency and there's a little bit of thought behind it. And like they don't have pictures that are randomly indented or five pictures that are all slightly different sizes, you know, going down the right side. They've got the pictures scaled to be the consistent sizing and positioning and things like that uh, so that you're not wondering why is this one bigger than the other ones or why is this one indented and the other ones aren't you're not distracted by those kind of things and it's not like people uh consciously think of that stuff no it's subconscious distraction no you're just kind of like oh that looks weird oh that looks weird 
people you notice you just well, don't necessarily pay attention sometimes what happens is you will subconsciously assign value to those things based on the sizing and positioning so True. if one picture is bigger yes. than the others mentally it's more important so mm-hmm. that sticks with you more when you are consuming that content and that's design right like and that's especially uh, for instructional like for instructional purpose purposes the graphics are very much like the design is very deliberate Mm. Um, you know, charts are, are created very deliberately, specific kinds of graphics are done deliberately. So what I've started is by looking at, are your graphics decent? And mm-hmm. some of them are very, it, 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 there's a thing where, do you just move things around on a page or do you create things? Mm-hmm. So some people are really good at just layout and just moving things around on a page, but you have to, but they don't create the objects very well. Somebody else needs to do. All yeah. That. I don't, I don't need that. We've got lots of people who are moving things around a page. I do need someone who knows how to create the thing and in the context of the page. And that's a really important part of the, part of the whole design. So I want this person to just really be focusing on, decorating the courses so making a visual for every course there has to be a visual um guidepost identity yeah a visual identity it can be different for every single one and the what we've had right now is that it's a little bit haphazard i do a lot of it and i know what i want but i'm not i don't have the time and i don't have I have most of the expertise, but I don't, it's mostly time because you have to think about stuff mm-hmm. like that. You can't just go, oh, I'm going to slap this picture here. That's when it's terrible. If you're just slapping pictures. Oh, yeah. oh but I see that in other people's oh courses. God. They just get some random stock photo that they throw in there so they and can it's always, a picture. Yeah. Happy people at a desk dressed in clothes that no trucking person would ever wear, driver or office person. Or but, cheesy metaphor pictures. Yeah. <laughs> Some metaphor pictures are better than others, but you have to like one of some of the best stuff is when you take other stock imagery and manipulate it to make it, you know, to do something for yourself. But if you've got like stock imagery that is a bunch of uh, alphabet uh, dice or cue cards or something, just saying teamwork. Oh, and they God, throw those yeah. pictures in there. Yeah, they mean nothing. That's not, it's not very stimulating. You might as well have the smiling suit on a phone because it's just yeah. as pointless. Yeah, the yeah. smiling suit on the phone with the ear. But that's another element of looking at graphic designers is does the uh, imagery that they create, do the visuals they create match the story they're trying to tell and the content that they're working with? And a lot of people... Uh, don't get that. If they've worked in marketing, they sometimes don't really get that too much. The people who get it really well are the graphic artists who tend to do visual novels and comic books and those kind of people. But we're not looking for a graphic artist to do that kind of work. So it's uh, it's been an interesting experience so far. It's, it's rough because it's hard to know what kind of questions to ask. Um, it's hard to evaluate what they're going to do. I think what's going to be the most, I mean, and I have, I have eliminated people based on their portfolios because if they are only doing photography and they're doing photography for for magazines or very high art, there's a lot of people who are doing um, 
more, it's not illustration as much as it is, you know, original works. Like there was one person who does murals for hotel rooms Mm. and she has great stuff, but I don't, don't see how that translates into wanting to, you know, do images for a course. We're not doing a lot of murals. No. And that kind of. It is also very abstract in a lot yeah, of those cases. So we need things that are more concrete. And there's also people who do a lot of ad work. So what they're doing is they're taking pictures of cars and moving them around an ad and, you know, or Best Buy type of thing, you know, where you take pictures of computers and, and have text and that kind of stuff. And if that's all you're doing, then I I can't, I need you to create something. So I want to see what you've created besides, you know, text on a text on a background image of a photo that you probably got from somewhere else. Now, that doesn't help. What I've been finding interesting about the process, and I sort of started it because I had a little bit of time and did some research on this, discovering how many different occupations there actually are in this area to figure out what it is we're looking for. Because I kind of used in the past graphic designer and graphic artist interchangeably, not really understanding the difference. And then I finally did some research to find out what is the difference between those two. And along the way learned that that's not even the only two things. There are also visual designers, which are totally different kind of thing and information designers. And they all have elements that we are looking for. And so we had to think for a little bit about what is it that we actually need here? What is the work going to be? And what is the, the skill set that's required? So, well, we don't really need, there's a little bit of information design, but, the, our content people, the people who are writing the content, they're doing a lot of that work already. Mm-hmm. So what this person has to do is work with the content, the person who's writing the content to say, okay, what kind of visual do we need? And the content people aren't always great at figuring out what visual they need, but they have an idea of what the page is about. So a graphics person can go and say, you know what, that's actually not it, but you're talking about all this other stuff here, so why don't we do this? Mm-hmm. That's kind of um, yeah. where we need the, or, or at least have the discussion. So, you know, one of the requirements is that you're not just going to go off and do pictures, you're going to actually speak to people and work with them to decide on what it is that you want. And that's one of the other things that we're looking at very carefully here is how well they work or the evidence of them working successfully in a team, in a collaborative type approach, which they all claim to be great at it. And they all say that they're just fine, but there are indicators that they're thinking about how to work successfully in a team and thinking about the future. And like one of the things we look at and we're going to be evaluating very closely is their source files. They may have beautiful output, but what we need is great, well-organized source files because we know from experience that you're not just building a graphic thing now and putting it in a course and then that's it. You're going to need to open that file at some point five years from now and do something with it. And at that point, somebody else needs to be able to open that file and understand how it's all organized and all the different layers and the elements that are in it, what you've done with effects and why, and make it clear so that they can pick that up and do the, what they need to do without having to spend half a day trying to decipher it all. Yeah, it's really important to be able to do that because we also translate into different languages. So what we've also, or what I have sort of evolved into is not having words on the graphics and doing putting the words in 
using our our online system, like making those, putting mm-hmm. the labels on there um, so that it's easier to do the translation. So, and designing without words is a little bit more tricky. I mean, you can put the words in and then you have to take them out, but it's that whole idea of, you know, because if you if you don't know what graphic art is like or what uh, design is like, if you're using Photoshop, for example, where you basically edit images, you can have layers and you can have a billion layers and none of them are labeled. It's just like a Word document. If you have a whole bunch of Word documents and none of them are, are named anything meaningful. Or your Word documents don't use styles. You just yeah, or you don't have change the text. You don't have any organization within your documents or an Excel spreadsheet if you don't have any organization. <laughs> like you have to impose some organization on everything that you do. And that includes art. Because if I'm going to look at a, a Photoshop file... And I see seven layers that are all untitled. That's going to, that makes me crazy because, you know, and half of them are empty. Well, that doesn't, I'm just going to want to clean it up before I do anything else. And if I'm going to clean up after you, you know, I, that's not my job. I'm not your parent. I'm not going to clean up, up after you in the office and I'm not going to clean up after you in your files. Well, it also indicates an immaturity in working as part of a team because it's not uncommon to have that through the sort of brainstorming and the creative elements at the beginning of the process while you're figuring things out. You may have all kinds of layers that you screw around with and you add shadows to some or you do some masks on others to play around with it and figure out what it is that you want to do. And you may not organize them properly. You may not label them all that well because you know that when you're in there, you know what's what. But when you get to the point where you're finishing it and you're starting to deliver a complete product to somebody else, you need to clean all that up. Mm-hmm. And maybe you're just making a copy of that file and making it fit for consumption that's cleaned up and you keep all your rough ideas somewhere else. But there has to be that step. And people that are mature and have worked as part of a long-term team tend to understand that better. It's a little bit like uh, software developers that have to take the time to organize and comment their code so that other people can pick it up and it has to be organized in very particular ways. Otherwise it just gets uh, left in a pile of what's known as spaghetti code that you can never figure out. And yes, I know you're smiling at me because I've written a lot of spaghetti code in my time. No, but I've got it. I mean, I was forced to start documenting the content development process because people we're constantly doing things that were, you know, I thought were going off the rails. And I thought that the process was pretty straightforward because I came from a consulting background and everybody did it that way. But, you know, that was 10 years ago and it's, things have changed. So my process, I guess other people are using different processes, especially if they're using Articulate and they're just basically slapping stuff. They're not even writing a storyboard. They're just slapping uh, PowerPoint text into Articulate or importing PowerPoint into Articulate and throwing, you know, and Articulate is, of course, development tool that a lot of people use. Um, but it's very easy to, you know, basically transform PowerPoint into an you Articulate file. You go into the file. stock photo library that's included with it and you grab yeah. some happy person, slap it in there and there's your course. Yeah. Yeah. And no, no, no. Those people do not work for us. They do not want to hear about how their stuff is not perfect. They do not want to be told to work like full-time hours and actually put effort into it and think. <laughs> they want to move stuff around on the page. They want to get to PowerPoint where all the 
subject matter experts have validated the content and so they don't have to think about it and then write yeah. it into a script, drop in their stock photography and be told they're amazing. Yes. We do not have a positive opinion of those people. And we don't tell people they're amazing unless they're actually doing something amazing. Well, so none of those things work for us. No. And you basically gets to the point where I'm rewriting the stuff that somebody else has already written. And that's not, that's stupid. And then they get snippy about that. Uh, yeah. They don't, act, it's funny. The people who don't work out are people who don't like edits and don't pay attention to edits. And so they just keep regurgitating the same thing over and over again. And I'm just constantly editing it. And like after a while, it's like, okay, you're just not, you're not working. <laughs> you're not, you're not doing what I've asked you to do. And so we're actually taking a bit of a different tack this time and not looking for what are called instructional designers, because instructional designers tend to be the ones who are taking PowerPoint, throwing it into some tool and spitting something out at the end and they want to be highly paid and praised for it. And they come here and we say, no, there are no SMEs. There's no PowerPoint for you. Do some research and. Uh, yeah. Figure out what's happening and tell us a story about it. Yeah. They don't want to do any of those. They things. don't want to do all of those steps together are very difficult. So we're looking at people who are content people. We're looking more for writers now to see. And, and so if we get writers and uh, graphic uh, graphics people who can support the writing, then we can have more a better um, a better method of getting content out there fast. So you don't have to be a graphics person to to do content. You can just do the writing, you can just do the research, figure out how to tell a story about it, and um, and go from there. But you're shortchanging it a little bit because the people that work out really well in this position are content creators in almost the complete sense of the word that they will create a story that is based on research so that it's accurate and recreates the life of somebody going through this activity. So maybe it's a day in the life of a driver who is got to plan the trip or something, or it's a, the experience of somebody focusing on the security of their cargo or something like that. And they will have not only the story, but they will also have a sense of the visuals that illustrate that. And they are used to telling a story that involves research, writing a script, and having visuals that accompany it. So the people that, uh, that you're looking at now that are looking like they're really strong candidates are people that maybe have journalism backgrounds, people that have done written some stories or been involved in sort of TV production type stuff mm -hmm. where they're writing segments for different shows, which I hadn't really thought of in the past, but it's funny how much that aligns because they have to research. They've got to write the copy that gets read by the, uh, the narrator or the newscaster or whatever it is. And they've got to have visuals that go along with it. So. And what I, uh, what's interesting about that is that I was always thinking that there had to be a background in education. <laughs> and you don't. You need to be able to put information together in a logical sequence and tell a story. And that's, that is education. Yep. So I think that I've just expanded my definition of education where, you know, a documentary is educational. It doesn't have, yeah. I mean, it's about, a, it's information presented to you about a specific topic. And how is that different from... Well, a formal background in education in a lot of cases is a formal background in the current education system. Mm -hmm. Or it's a formal background in 
incorporate e-learning design, in which case all you're doing is moving things around on a page, which both of which is very different than what we're doing. So what we need is education in the raw sense, which is figuring out the content, figuring out how to present it in such a way that people understand it and that it's sticky for them and they remember it for a while and that they have a positive experience going through it. And the way we tell those stories organizes content like that so that you can see there's a beginning, middle, and an end. And when you finish with it, you're not ground down into dust. You're able to go and consider the next one. You're thinking about that story, and then you're more interested in consuming the next one. You mean as a as the creator of the next one? No, I the, mean the person who is uh, going Oh, taking the course, the course yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like going through a, a, a quality episode of premium TV. Okay, and we're back after an unexpected technical difficulty <laughs> that fortunately we are able to edit out, or I'm assuming I'm going to be able to edit out. So it could be the most creative podcast that we've had for a while. but Most jarring. Yes, I'm going to assume that I'm able to edit out some of these things. And uh, try and get back to where we were talking about. We had just uh, finished or we had been talking about content creation and what we're going through right now, adding some new people in the content editing side and the importance of being able to tell stories, do research. And then we were talking about some of the visuals that are required for that and the importance of certain work habits in that area as well. So putting all of that together into what we want to do for product in the upcoming area, we have uh, uh, a bunch of things that are on the go. We have just uh, released a few new French things, but I know we've got a bunch of courses that are in progress that are coming up soon. And uh, I think uh, there's some exciting stuff happening. So what have you got happening in the content world? Well, like you said, we just released three French courses that uh, fall protection, all the modules for fall protection are in French and two security courses. Uh, Hazmat security awareness is in French already, but we have also added general security awareness, which is if you're not doing anything special and CTPAT security awareness, if you are crossing the border. So all three of those courses are slightly different um, and now we have all three versions. What we're working on now with French is um, we are currently uh, re-recording some stuff uh, for Sp a Spotted Lanternfly, as well as a little bit of corrections to hours, hours of service. And then we're going to be doing diet and exercise. So replacements for we have been revamping our uh, wellness courses. So we've already done diet preventing illness is coming out shortly in English and um, we'll be having an exercise course as well. So we oh, yeah, will, yeah. So, it, so we finished uh, fatigue got done. That was the first one. And then oh, fatigue eating. is getting translated right now. Right. So we'll have fatigue in French in the next month or so. And then uh, so the ones that are left to do are the preventing illness and the exercise. Now, and diet. And diet's being... Diet's done. It, no, diet isn't done. So fatigue isn't done either. Well, hang fatigue, on. Are you talking English or French? French. Okay, but English, the oh, yeah. are done. English, um, diet is done and fatigue is done. And we're going to have preventing illness coming up very soon. Right. So that's English. In French, diet is being in the process of being 
translated and fatigue is in the process of being okay. translated. So we're going to have those coming shortly after um, the preventing illness one comes out. And we'll probably do preventing illness, the translation for it pretty soon. So it'll be in the first quarter of next year. And what about Spanish for those? Um, that I have some backup on Spanish because I have the hours of the new hours of service regulations, mm. uh, translated, but I don't have it voiced so that I need to get that out of the way before we, right. we move on to some, I, I do, uh, I'm planning on getting the Spanish going again once I get all my hiring out of the way, because it's, it's kind of a lot to manage hiring a whole bunch of new people and then hire and then managing two languages and English stuff at the same time. So in order to, we have to, what we end up doing is we focus, we're always focused on the English, but for a translation, we try to do a big push with one language and then focus on the other language for a little while and then go back and forth. When we get more staff, we'll be able to do both at the same time. But right now that's been our strategy. That magic day when we have enough staff to do all the things that we want to do. Yeah, well, you know, translation is not that difficult because we've already written it. So, I mean, the hardest part of a course is writing it in English. Yeah. And once we've written it in English, we have some pretty good translators. Um, so the translators are also, well, Denis, who does our French translation, he does our voiceover. So he can, he's, you know, so that process goes very smoothly. I'll, in Spanish, I have um, a translator, but I also have a voiceover artist. And I think I've mentioned this before, but he will proof proof the Spanish mm. <laughs> that's been translated and sort of give me some, no, 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 it should be like this. And it's like, okay, Good. you know you know better than me. Um, so I I really like working with translation. It's I, I find that doing a translation of a course for me is, is kind of, I don't know, relaxing. Hmm. It's like I don't have the I don't have the burden of trying to make sure I've explained something appropriately in, in French and Spanish. It's already been done. Hmm. So I'm just, you know, just changing the pictures or really I'm just doing the very relaxing work of moving things around on a page. Hey, you know, you can hire somebody to move things around on a page. Yeah, but I don't have enough work for just moving things around on a page. You got to have some other skills. You have to be able to create the things and you have to be able to, well, we need creators. The moving things around on a page is always a break for everybody after their brain has been, uh, you know, okay. sliced and diced by whatever content they've been trying to understand and then deliver. So it's not something where we should get a co-op student to do it. Oh, we could. A co-op student would probably be fine. It's just that right now, right now I don't need one the second, but when we have more content people, then yeah, hmm. that would be a, it's an easier job. And I have had students do it before where so maybe we should look at that for the, uh, the summer. Oh summer yeah. Semester. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I would be perfectly happy to do that. Huh. Our, our homegrown student, our son who does odd jobs, uh, for us every once in a while, or has been our co-op student. He does a really good job of, uh, doing translation courses mm. he uh actually he's done barely in english he just yeah. does translations but he's you know and you don't need to be really good with the language to do it it's a little bit more difficult a little bit more challenging so tiffany who speaks french can do voiceover can 
get the voiceover done for French really, really quickly mm. as opposed to me because she understands what she's listening to. I'm listening for I'm listening for cues like pauses and you know, I have to have my eye right on the on the text to follow it because I don't speak the language that well. Like I can sort of follow it, but not really. But she just knows it, so she doesn't have to Nice. She doesn't have to worry about where the end of the sentence is because she already knows. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's very nice to have her. Having French language speakers is, <laughs> and I wish that I knew more French, but I got uh, I got moved to another country uh, when I was in that age where you're starting to learn French, more serious French, at sort of grade seven and grade eight, and. Uh, I was learning Arabic for a while, so I kind of messed up all the languages for me. I know how to count to 20, basically, in every language, just that's it. So if we're going to translate to Arabic, you'll be in better shape. No. I have forgotten pretty much everything I know. So outside of French... Wahed et nain, there's one and two. Okay. Uh, So what's one and two on the English courses that are coming up? One and two. Yeah, top of the list, and what's coming up next? Safety committee. Oh, for the U.S. U.S. Which safety is, committee. Yeah, okay. so there we already have a safety committee course for Canada, where there's a lot more guidance and rules and things that you have to follow. Uh, in the U.S., it's not quite as clear, but we have one where uh, we have the the general structure of it, and um, so it goes. It's a good. It's a good overview of what should happen and what the best practices are when you are conducting business in a safety committee. The other one that we are a couple of other ones that we're working on preventing illness, which is what I said before, is nearly ready to go online. And oh, going back to safety committee, that's going to audio soon. So that is going to be uh, probably ready in the next couple of weeks. Preventing illness is uh, ready to go online. So we're going to have an audio script ready for that. So that'll be two or three weeks before so it goes live. Is that going live. to be a COVID course? No, it Just is general. not. It's going to be a more it's, expansive avoiding illness kind of course. It is an interesting course because it, you, when you talk about preventing illness, and especially now, it's not just a, you know, sneeze into your elbow type mm-hmm. of thing. That's only one part of it. And the other, and because what we decided was to give sort of a, the basis of the science behind what, why, how you catch a germ. Like, what are the germs? What are mm. these germs that, or what is a virus? And what's the difference between bacteria and nice. virus and that kind of thing? So there's a three topics. It's actually three topics now. Wow. It started off as one. One topic in a larger course. And yeah. it was like 10 pages, the original one. It was very yeah, short it was topic. really short because really it was like try not to sneeze on people. Yeah, it was wash your hands. Yeah, sneeze into your elbow. That was it. Yeah, and what we decided was that people needed um, more of more of why. Mm-hmm. So we talk about the four different kinds of germs, quote unquote, that you can get that are an issue. And that's in the first topic. It's kind of an overview of, you know, what are these harmful things in the in the air around you and how do they how do they get to you and how do they um, how do they propagate and how do they make you sick? So that whole sickness uh, cycle. And then we talk about um, the second topic is about viruses specifically. And there's 
and what the difference is between a cold and the, the flu, which is basically the type of virus that you're getting. Um, and then, you know, what's a vaccine and how does a vaccine work and why does it work? And um, that all of those basics about, you know, what is what's the point of social distancing? What does what does that do for a particular virus? Because it depends on how the virus travels. So some viruses don't travel at all through the air they only Mm. travel through blood Mm. so you don't have to be separate so aids for example that's a blood virus Mm. that only you really can only get that virus contract that virus if you come into contact with someone's blood or bodily fluids Mm. just breathing the air or even kissing them or having contact with them you're not going to get you're not going to get sick however COVID and other and the flu, like just the regular and there's a billion viruses that are the flu. Um, and that's why the vaccine only works for a year. Um, it's transmitted through the air and through droplets that go into the air that are that sort of float in the air. And there's different steps that you have to take. So it's not a COVID course, but COVID is included. Mm. But it's also including all of the other things that you can get right. sick from and why there are certain precautionary measures put into place and why it's a good idea to do them. Also, we talk about personal protective equipment. So the things that you can do to keep yourself safe. Um, so it's, um, yeah, it's good. It is a pretty in-depth course. Yeah. I mean, it'll be, it's a, it's a long course to take all at once, but if you take it in, in particular topics, um, it'll work. I think that for, you know, when, cold and flu seasons sort of comes around and it'll come around next year. That would be a good course for people to take to mm-hmm. sort of get prepared as to what to do and how to protect themselves. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, we're getting to have quite a lot of different titles and a lot of variety in them. So that's actually one of the things that I'm going to look at in the next monthly webinar or December webinar is one that we normally focus on the product specifically rather than more general training topics. And I'm going to talk uh, about several of the issues that I've been reading about in the industry, uh, things that are coming up uh, that are challenges, that are things that we have courses for, but people may not understand what course they should be taking for what scenario, or like you were talking about earlier, the uh, security awareness things. We have three different security awareness courses that are very similar. And there's one that is purely for hazmat people or it's designed to fulfill the requirements for hazmat haulers who need security awareness. Mm -hmm. There's another one that is designed to fulfill the requirements for CTPAT. But there's not a lot of differences in them. No. So either one of them would probably get you what you need uh, or the basics of what you need for security awareness. But there's people who say, well, I... I'm not a cross-border operator and I don't haul hazmat, so neither of those work for me. Well, either of them would actually work. So you created a general security that anybody can take. Right. But I think people sometimes don't understand which one they should be taking and why. There's still a lot of that mindset that training is what you do after a violation. It's what you do at orientation and after somebody hits something or gets a ticket. And we need to start getting people thinking about how you can be doing these things proactively to avoid these problems. So uh, yeah, it's not just winter dry. Like a lot of people do that with winter driving. So, Mm -hmm. you know, in September they'll 
put everybody through the winter driving course, which is fine, but you can have, like you say, you can have that approach with a whole bunch of other courses. Yeah. And cargo theft is on the rise. It has been for a long time. So more attention to that. So mm-hmm. trip planning and uh, cargo security awareness is very important. And cybersecurity, we keep talking about it, but every week it's like there's more people that are getting hit. And we asked about that in the Best Fleets program this year, and the answers were not impressive. No. I will say that. People are like, well, why would we give that to drivers? Yeah. Or why would, you know, we have have firewalls. And so that's all we do for office staff. And I'm like, please train your people. Train everybody. Yeah, the office staff is one thing that they get, you know, regular... um, regular, not necessarily training, but sort of reminders about awareness. But why treat your drivers differently? They're still your staff. They're still interacting with your systems. Yeah. And they still have their own issues. And they, you know, they may, they may not be on your mail system, but they send email to people. Mm -hmm. So if they know that something might have a virus, then, or they're, you know, they may not forward it to their dispatch manager, their dispatcher, their yeah. fleet manager. It's, it seems ridiculous to just kind of go, yeah, we don't need to do it for the drivers. And it's, you know, it's not that difficult to do. If you're doing it for your people, do it for well, your drivers Well, they should be doing well. it for their office staff and the drivers, but so many of them aren't doing it for anybody. And the thing is, and this is where I see another gap is, uh, you know, violence in the workplace and sexual harassment training. Mm. Yeah, we haven't had any issues, so... Yeah. It's not, it's like, whoa, you don't want to be fixing the problem after it happens. You want to fix the problem before. It's kind of like what we were talking about with process. You want to have as many processes already done before the problems start. Mm -hmm. Because when you don't have a process and you haven't done the training and you don't have documentation, then people will do whatever they want. And they will make mistakes that you find like as a leader of a of an organization, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened, but we didn't have a rule. We didn't yeah. have a process. Well, so whose t- fault is that? That touches on an important part of having that process is recognizing that it's never going to be cast in stone. It will always be something that evolves that needs constant uh, constant assessment and evaluation. Care and, and feeding. And you need to keep changing it. There's always going to be something that needs to be adjusted and ways to improve the process through new tools that can help efficiency and things like that. I think we kind of went through that with um, during the lockdown and like how everybody went to um, video for meetings and things like that. We really you know, when we adopted Slack, Mm. that kind of changed a bunch of our processes because we had more interaction that was more quick. And that was a real bonus is that ability to just talk to each other really, really quickly without doing formal email. And finding the balance. Not everything Mm. should be quick Slack message. There are things that are better in email so you can consider them and so that they're documented and in a separate file or separate thread. But also it depends on who you are, right? Who you are in the company. So for you and I, quick Slack messages for certain things are okay. But if we got Slack messages from everybody on everything instead of more following more the processes that we've put in place, oh my God. <laughs> I would be I would be in and I would be just flipping my lid all the time because I'd be inundated 
and there would be no structure. No, like I, even though I'm kind of, you know, airy fairy a little bit, I, I have my structure that I need. And if you kind of push me out of that, I can get very agitated. So it's not just you. I get, I have, you know. Oh yeah. I think everybody's aware of that. Okay. Thanks. That, that was nice. But yes, the takeaway is that there is a, a maturing that happens in a business and in workers to understand what's appropriate uh, through a Slack or messaging, direct messaging kind of thing versus what's appropriate in a more formal or a more compartmentalized email type format. And we learned a lot through Best Fleets with Zoom. Yep. Uh, Zoom really, I mean, we were using Zoom, but we weren't using video for the longest time. And we were using Skype, um, calls and stuff like that and you could do video with skype too we just didn't yeah we chose not to so when we when zoom when everybody started doing video calls and then our staff were saying you know there was a couple of staff who said you know we'd like more video Mm -hmm. and we knew that other people were like no video ever Mm -hmm. um so we had to kind of start pushing the people who didn't want to do it a little bit forward and, and saying, okay, the people who really wanted it, it's like, okay, well, we're going to start small. Mm-hmm. So as I think as throughout the pandemic, I think we've seen a progression in the comfort with video. Yes. It's been good. It's yeah. been good for us. Oh yeah, for sure. To, to see each other. Cause we haven't been able to see each other. Yeah. So there's a lot of us that we haven't, there's a lot of individuals that we haven't met. They haven't met each other. Well, we miss two in-person mm-hmm. meetings. Normally we do spring and fall all staff meeting in person somewhere. And we had to cancel our spring one and didn't even bother trying to plan a fall one. So if we're able to do it next spring, that will be a year and a half since we've had our whole crew together in person. And it's bizarre since we're a bunch of loners and uh, introverts <laughs> that just want to hide in our corners, but we all miss getting together. We all miss sort of that hangout that happens. Oh, it'd be so nice to just, you know, go and yeah, <laughs> just go thinking. and like just be next to somebody I who isn't in my hot household or give someone a hug, you know? Well, I'm thinking that when we get together, we're not going to get any work done. It's just no. going to be endless chit chatting. Yeah, that's okay. Yep. Oh, I it's going to be great. I think we should plan for that. Mm-hmm. We should plan for chit chat and Definitely. just, you know, can you imagine the developers are all going to be, they all do that anyway. They go off in their little huddle. Yeah. And usually on the way after the meeting's done, then we see them in the, in, in the, the foyer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they're all, they're all chatting. But I mean, if I can hire, you know, if I can expand my team, then we're going to be, it's going to be the same thing. It's just going to be chat, 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 chat. Yeah. So. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it definitely will be. And it's been, and it's been okay how we've been doing it. It's just, you, you know, even the most loner among us is, wants to have some contact. Definitely. It's, it's a human, it's a human nature thing. But until it's safe to do so, we have to implore everybody, do not get together. No, so. no, no, no. We don't know. Don't We're not. Don't have large Christmas parties and oh please please do, be safe. Do not get together in large groups for Thanksgiving and things like that, and don't be rushing for Black Friday deals. Well, you can do them online. There's some online right now, yeah. and I have There's, to say, uh, yeah. the retailers are hurting. They're always having sales right yeah. now. I've been buying a lot of stuff online. I've been trying to support little little retailers and and things and like that. All the transport companies that deliver those goods. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. doing their part. 
Yep. Uh, well, I think we should wrap it up there. Okay. Now that I've, now that I, I've now that exposed you've spilled the beans on so many things. All right. So thanks for listening, everybody. Yes. Yeah, stay safe. 